Brandon Rose, Bryson Barnes, and Nate Johnson were all in action in the 22 Forever game. But after we look back at the tape, which one performed the best? And where would we like to see Utah football players get drafted in the 2023 NFL Draft? All that and more on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We're available on all platforms, including YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, we are nearly at a 1,050 subscribers, so appreciate all you guys who continue to support. If it is your first time, like, subscribe. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments. You can also message us on social media at Lockdown Utes or at my personal handle at JT Wistersill. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're talking quarterbacks. We looked over the film. We're talking about what we saw from each of the three guys who are vying to be Utah's backup quarterback and potential starter, depending on Cam Rising's availability. And we'll touch on the other guys who really had a strong spring game before closing on some NFL draft related content. And in order to help me cover all of that, it's friend of the show and you zone contributor Dante Gordy and Dante talk about the quarterbacks first. Let's start with Brandon Rose because I do feel like Rose overall still looked like the best guy. I will say I didn't feel like Bryson got much of a chance. I mean, he only got to go the two drives, which has been by design for all spring ball, right? It's been that, hey, we wanted this to be between Brandon and Nate. So Bryson didn't get a lot of runs. So we can talk about them in a second but overall from Brandon Rose I thought he was pretty good I mean I thought the accuracy was impressive I really like that he took what the defense gave him a lot I thought the checkdowns were there a lot and when you have a running back and a playmaker as special as Jaquindon Jackson is starting to look I think it's great that he utilized him did a good job finding money parks yes the touchdown was a coverage bust but it was still did a good job finding him I like the decision making overall he had one near turnover over the middle of the field and then the one bad miss to, to money parks on the first drive but where he just sailed the pass but outside of that I mean it was it was really good stuff I liked seen him run it was fun you know in spring game you expect the quarterbacks to not get hit or just run out of bounds it was fun to see him kind of lower his shoulder one time and fight for the extra yards too so I was impressed overall by Brandon Rose I thought he looked like the best Utah quarterback and it makes sense that Kyle Whittingham has talked so much about him separating because after looking back at over everything I was really impressed by what I saw from him yeah definitely same same with me I thought his composure uh, was really what stood out I was not really sure what to expect you know spring game being a being a young younger player on this roster not really having a lot of go um, with the ones and watching him come in and just overall compete at a high level was uh, was really nice to see. You talked about the checkdowns. That's what I'm saying, like the composure that he had in the pocket. Uh, he was keeping his eyes downfield when he was rolling out of the pocket as well. Those are really good signs for a young quarterback. Um, he did not look like a young quarterback at all, honestly. No, he, did not. He, he looked he looked he looked wise wise beyond his years, honestly, and that was really encouraging to see, especially if he has to go early in the season um, if Cameron Rising. Is, uh, is still sidelined due to that ACL tear that he suffered in the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, really encouraging stuff from Brandon Rose, for sure, especially from a freshman. You touched on that throw that he made to Money Parks. That was a very nice spiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, threw that ball really well. I love, I love his mechanics. I love everything that he does um, in the pocket and outside the pocket. That's what was yes. really impressive to me, how well he was able to stay calm and composed while maneuvering outside the pocket, still keeping his eyes downfield. Like I mentioned, just really good signs for a young quarterback. And the stat line is there to prove it as well. You know, what was it, 19 to 23, over 200 yards. Yeah. Just really impressive stuff from Brandon Rose um, in his first real game action in front of fans um, in Rice Cycle Stadium, which was nice to see. It was really nice to see. And you mentioned the throws on the move. He connected with Money Parks, um, especially in the second half, um, really got Mikey Matthews involved. That was it. Their connection was really on display. Those guys could be the future of this huge offense, we know. So it was exciting to see them work so well together. Showed some decent accuracy on some deeper throws, too, over the middle. So definitely stuff you like to see from the guy who 
as we mentioned, could still potentially be the game one starter. I will mention Cam Rising was interviewed on the Pac-12 broadcast and did say like, yeah, everything's still going well rehab wise. But that, I mean, that's all they're going to say. Even if it wasn't going well, they would all they would just be like, yeah, everything's fine. It's, it's all good. So, yeah, we still don't know what Cam's game one availability looks like versus Florida. But overall, like I said, if Brandon Rose is the guy who ends up going, you feel pretty good about it. Um, The guy, if it wasn't Brandon Rose, would be the guy who's been Cam Rising's backup for the past two years, and that would be Bryson Barnes. And overall, when you talk about Bryson Barnes, um, the, the touchdown run was fun. The 30-yarder, I thought he showed good speed there. Uh, definitely a little bit of a negative on the Utah linebackers, I will say, who a couple of them looked like they had an angle on him and couldn't drag him down. But hey, credit to Bryson for uh, for making the plays. I know he, uh, his first drive, it was a three and out. They ran it the first time. He, had, he tried to throw a ball over the middle. That was a better play by uh, Calvert, who was a linebacker there to me, than it was a negative on him. And then the pocket just collapsed. And look, on that one, he, I think he wasn't working with the one offensive line anyways, which I did think the one offensive line, even though not all the starters were in there, I thought they looked pretty good. We can touch on that a little bit later too. Um, he had one of the better throws of the day when he found Hayden Erickson over the middle of the field too. So I still feel really good with Bryson. And I think the one thing that gives Bryce, this job is not a, a done yet. It is definitely, if the game was tomorrow, it sounds like Brandon Rose would be the guy, but there's still all fall camp, all these different things to going on. I think Bryson Barnes is definitely still in this race. And I think the biggest reason for that is, he doesn't make as many turnover-worthy plays as Brandon Rose does. Now, I'm not saying Brandon Rose is a turnover machine by any stretch of the imagination, but we just know from what we've seen from Bryson, he, he doesn't turn the ball over, really. He's done a really good job. He's a known commodity. He's a backup quarterback. He knows how to the, handle the pressure that comes during live game reps. With, yes, Brandon Rose looked good in this live scrimmage, but it's not a live game once again. So I, I still liked what I saw from Bryson Barnes, and I still feel like if Utah decides to go with him, I'm still feel, feeling good about it. I think a lot of Utah fans are – really turned off of him just from what they saw in the in the Rose Bowl. And once again, that was just a bad team performance. It wasn't. It, the only reason Utah was in that game was because of the Herculean effort from Cam Rising, one of the best guys to ever come through this program, who they even threw up a graphic. Cam's actually closing in on a lot of Utah rec quarterback records overall, which is really impressive considering he's only been a two-year starter for this team. And now he's got a chance to make it number three, depending on how many games he can get back for this season. Hopefully it's the very first one, as we said. But I, I like, like I said, I like what I saw from Bryson Barnes still. As you said, the Rose Bowl was more of a team performance. Yeah. I know Bryson didn't look great, but I mean, neither did Cam. You know, a couple of the plays yeah. that he made that were good were just like all him. Like Penn State had a, had Utah covered to the max, and Cam just found, found a way. And, you know, mm -hmm. as good as Bryson Barnes is, he's not as good as Cameron Rising. You know, you know what you're going to get. And when you're going up against a secondary with elite athletes like that Penn State secondary had, life is not going to be uh, to be very fun, especially when you're just thrown into the fire rather than having a knowing your role going throughout practice and stuff like that. So I don't think that performance is really indicative of Bryson's overall mm -hmm. um, term at Utah. I guess you could say his time at Utah. I don't think it's really like it paints a great picture of it because I mean, he has had some good moments. Um, you remember the Rose bowl against Ohio state, you know, Bryson Barnes led the game time drive and then the kickoff the ensuing kickoff was kind of what screwed Utah um, down the stretch in that game. And then you look at the Washington State game as well. You know, that was a fine Washington State defense. That was definitely one of the better defenses in the Pac-12, probably the fourth or fifth best, depending on who you ask, depending on where you look. But that's still a very respectable team that Bryson Barnes went into their and went into their place and beat on a short week right after a gritty, gritty win where a lot of Utah players were probably pretty fatigued. So um, I'm definitely feeling decent with Bryson behind center, especially given, given the week one opponent is Florida. I'm not sure if anybody if anybody saw Florida's spring game, but the first thing Billy Napier said after the game, didn't even have to be asked the question. He just said, we're going to be finding a new quarterback because their spring game was just an absolute travesty. It was an absolute joke. Wait, say that one more time. What did he say? Terrible. Before being even asked a question, he walked into the press conference and just said, we are going to be finding a new quarterback before week one. 
new quarterback. So it won't be yes. Graham Mertz, according to at least what he said right there. It could still I mean, they're going to have to find a new guy, and if he's better than Graham Mertz, it'll be him. But if they find a new guy and he's just just as good or maybe worse than Graham Mertz, then it's probably going to be Graham Mertz. But either way, Florida's quarterback situation is not um, very healthy. Uh, the, the coaches don't like it. The players don't like it. The fans surely don't like it after watching their 10-7 to or 7-7 to spring game. I'm not sure what the yeah. final score was, but very low scoring, very low offense, not very pretty. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good with whoever it is, depending on Brandon Rose or Bryson Barnes, because with Brandon Rose, I mean, we just saw what he can do. And like I said, he looked like he was wise beyond his years, which is what you need for a week one start against an SEC level team, which is what Florida is. So regardless of who's behind center, I'm not feeling too worried about that week one game, especially given what Florida has said about their overall state. Um, I'm feeling good. And I thought Bryson um, didn't really need to show a whole lot because we know what, what we know what we're going to get with him. And I mean, seeing that run honestly was just more impressive to me because that's not really an aspect of his game that we saw a whole lot of. And now if he's able to add that a little bit more to his, to his arsenal, I think we're going to be able to have a pretty serviceable quarterback behind center, at least for, for those first couple of weeks. I absolutely agree. And then the last guy to talk about when we talk about the quarterbacks, at least as how it pertains to this year, we'll talk about Mac Howard, how some of the other guys did in the coming weeks, but right now I'd rather focus on the three man race. It is. And look, it does feel like a two man race right now. It feels like it's Brandon Rose versus Bryson Barnes, but and while Nate Johnson does feel like third right now, I don't want to completely discount him out of this because he was dealing with an injury. He missed out on the reps. Cam Rising even said in his when he was talking with the guys on the Pac-12 network, like, hey, none of the guys had a great start to spring ball. But then a lot of them made progress over time. And I think Nate's a guy who might have had a chance to make some of that same progress if he hadn't been hurt. So, yeah, he's a distant third right now. But to me, he's got to see the field still. I mean, his very first carry, you just see what makes him so special. It went for over 15 yards, ran it to the left, stopped on a dime, let his blockers come in front of him, cut it to the outside once again. Just got a huge game. He is just so special with the ball in his hands and still made some nice throws. Yes, he threw the interception. That was a bad one. He looked to the left. He looked through his, his first two reads were on the left side of the field. Then he looked back to the right. I think he had just predetermined that if my reads on the left aren't open, I'm going to try to force something downfield. That was something where we talked about Brandon Rose. I thought he did a good job if things weren't open downfield, just recognizing quickly this processing is big when it comes to quarterbacks, right? Brandon Rose was quicker to process what the defense was doing based on what I saw and realized, hey, I'm going to take my check down. So those are open right here. Or I'm going to take the stuff over the middle versus Nate was like these two are open on the left I'm going to force something downfield rather than looking at my running back to get a couple of yards maybe and giving him an opportunity to break some tackles and make some extra plays and that's where to me I think Nate just needs a little more work on that because he did throw the interception credit to Jonathan Hall for making a nice play on that pick as well because the guy that Nate was targeting had beaten the corner at the time but that's where it was kind of that remote, like hey there's an extra safety over top there he's going to come over so he had some uh, he overthrew another deep pass but I uh, had a nice slant to I believe it was Taekwondo actually it might have been Chris Reed who uh, just entered the portal actually so he won't be with the so did Taekwondo Gilmore actually if you're going to so say did Taekwondo name, so. who was both those guys were like Nate's main options too. right <laughs> and all of a sudden it's crazy yeah they're gone but and we'll have a lot of time to talk about more transfer portal stuff on lockdown youtube too because man there's a lot of receiver receiver rumors and all the kinds of things it's gonna be interesting to see how they attack the portal but either way i still came away in like liking what i saw from nate you can just tell he just needs a little bit more work in regards and as i said just he is such a special runner of the football still that and like it's not to the point where it's Jaquindon jackson like he's going to switch to running back i think because he still makes some nice throws he's still young this is his once again he is only going to be a sophomore this year and a red shirt freshman because he'll keep the red shirt year. So I'm not abandoning him as quarterback, but I still think you got to put in some plays where he's able to use his legs because we know he can make things happen just from what he did on the field in live game action last year. For sure. I mean, you just look at the overall state of just the Utah team. And I think that we're just going to have a lot of really exciting players. And you were talking about Brandon Rose, like how he was going through the progressions a little bit quicker than Nate and going to those checkdowns. And I think that's a really good option to have. And I think 
one of the biggest winners of this Utah spring game was Jaquin and Jackson showing off his receiving prowess and how he's progressed as just an overall player. Because last year, you know, even when he was first getting in the mix in the running back room, there were still some concerns over the first couple of weeks. And then towards that later part of the season, obviously he has his breakout, just outruns all over USC, all over Colorado, has a nice touchdown in the Rose Bowl, just get building up all the hype that's possible to build up, you know, and rightfully so, because he is truly a freak athlete. And then you look at the plays that he made in the spring game, three catches for, I think, 50 yards or two catches for 50 yards. Very, very good performance and nothing that we saw from him last season, which is just super encouraging for the offense as a whole. And you just look at the other playmakers that Utah has, um, and it's just the sky's the limit for this offense. And the playmakers are crazy. And the depth at receiver, the depth at running back, even with a couple of guys entering the transfer portal, you know, Grant Keith is still going to be mm-hmm. there. Devon Vele is still going to be there. There's an unlimited amount of weapons for this offense. You look at the running back room. I mentioned Jaquin Jackson being a receiving back now, being able to catch the ball and make guys miss in the open field. That just adds a whole nother dimension to this Utah offense, not to mention the other guys. You know, Makai Bernard is still there, and he can still do all those things in the receiving game. That just makes this Utah offense so prolific. So uh, I like what I saw. Um, I'm just overall a big fan of this team, and I think the depth and the overall explosiveness is going to be what really sticks out early in the year. I absolutely agree, and we're going to continue to talk about those playmakers because, as you said, Dante, they really did stand out on Saturday. We're going to touch on them more in a moment, but first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back, and there is no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. Place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. You can look at things like if you think a pitcher will go over on strikeouts, you can build a same game parlay with your favorite matchup of the day, and you can make all kinds of bets each weekend or just weekday with all the MLB action on slate at FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Dante, the other big winner from the spring game to me outside of what we saw from like a Brandon Rose and some of the quarterbacks was how the playmakers for this team look. Because yes, Tyquan Gilmore, Chris Reed are in the portal. But I agree with you. Even if this team does want to add one more receiver, I like the receiver depth they had. We didn't get to see Devon Bailey as you mentioned, and I, we're still going to get Emery Simmons coming into this fold. Makai Cope is another guy who can do some things, but the two receivers, obviously the biggest hit, Money Parks and Mikey Matthews especially. It was great to see both those guys flash. Mikey especially kind of in the middle of the field, making lots of plays just with his speed. Does a good job getting in and out of his breaks, quick releases too. Got good hands, survived a couple of tough hits with some contact, was right on top of him, tough coverage. I thought he did a good job there. Money Parks, we know what he can provide is kind of a burner on the outside. I still remember that huge play he made um, against USC, that 49-yard catch that really kind of changed the momentum of that game. And he was Utah's leading receiver in this one. Jaquindon Jackson is a receiving back, as you touched on. And just Jaquindon Jackson just looks special. I think that him and Makai Bernard are going to be the main two guys out of the backfield. And I thought Jalen Glover looked good with what we saw. It's just That's just the tough part of a crowded running back room and how 
strong Jaquindon Jackson has really come on. So it was great seeing him out there breaking tackles. And uh, Thomas Yasmin made a couple of nice grabs too. So overall, just got to feel good about the talented playmakers that whoever is getting under center against Florida is going to have to throw to or hand the ball off to. Yeah, and going back to Jaquindon Jackson, I really think that we're, we could see a special season come from him, yes. especially because you look back at the 2019 season that Zach Moss had, and as great as it was, I mean, he was injured for a very good amount of that season. Like, they, like throughout the middle part of the season, like, I remember the UCLA game he was really banged up for, the Arizona State game he was pretty banged up for that year. So, I mean, we're talking about an elite running back who was injured. So, I mean, that hampered his production. So, for that reason, I do think that Jaquindon Jackson – could end up having a better season than Zach Moss did there. I could see him just yep. absolutely blowing up in terms of an, on an efficiency basis. Maybe not in terms of total offense because Zach Moss was really the workhorse of that offense. He caught passes. He ran the ball. I mean, he did everything that you could ask. Whereas this Utah offense, like I said, is so much more versatile. I do think that the the wealth is going to be spread around um, a fair share, which could limit Jaquinnon's like overall production. But in terms of like yards per yards per carry, um, touchdown percentage, like things like that, where it's just efficiency basis, I could see Jaquinnon Jackson being top three for running backs in the nation in like every single category. Cause if he's, if he's catching the ball like this, if he's making guys miss in the open field like this on top of what we already know he is as a running back and getting more carries. And a lot of these games, he didn't even have over like 12 carries. I think there were three games that he had, he had less than 12 carries, but more than a hundred yards. So now he's going to be getting more carries. He's going to be getting more volume in the passing game. He's going to be getting more goal line work. He's going to get more, getting more total work because he's going to be the starter from game one and on. Like I think this, this Jaquini Jackson season could be really, really special. And we could just be watching one of the best stories in college football. You know, we're talking about a guy who was one of the best quarterback quarterback recruits in his class coming out of high school, out of Duncanville High School in Texas, one of the most storied programs in Texas high school football, which obviously everyone knows everything's bigger in Texas. High school football is no exception there. So, I mean, we're talking about a player who's just incredibly special. And it's a great story to see because, I mean, he came to Utah. He's put it on for um, his boys, Ty, or, uh, uh Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe, and obviously with their family members still watching from above. I mean, they've kind of taken him under his wing, under their wing. So, I mean, just a really cool story to watch. And I think that we're in, in the midst of a really special season. And just as far as it goes with everyone else, I mean, this passing game is going to be really prolific as well. Um, obviously, we didn't, really, we didn't really get to see a whole lot of, like, the guys that we think are going to be mainstays in this offense. We didn't get to see a whole lot of them. But, I mean, Mikey Matthews, I thought that was a really encouraging performance because you look at the body language when he runs routes, he's demanding the ball and being and doing that so early in his career, I think is a great thing to see. Like I said, demanding the ball with his body language and you saw how much the quarterbacks were targeting him. That's a really good sign. In my opinion, we know how explosive he is. We saw him burn uh, Cormani McLean, who was the number one cornerback recruit at the all American bowl. So we're talking about just some players that are just going to be taking off this year. Um, and exponentially growing as the season progresses. And it's going to be really fun to watch, especially when you take into account that for the most, for the, for the majority of the season, Utah's going to be having a veteran presence in Cameron rising behind center, a guy who knows um, defenses, a guy who knows the playbook, a guy who knows this conference and the guy, a guy who knows some of these players he's been playing with for two, three years at this point. So, I mean, like I said, this offense is going to be so prolific and we're going to see some players take monumental steps towards, um, towards uh, just being great. We absolutely are. It's a special group of skill position players. And one thing that allowed these guys to operate was I thought the offensive line did very good. Now, no Satao Laumea, no Keaton Bills out there. But we did see, and also Kyle Winningham said on ESPN Son of 100, actually, that Falcon Calmatule at this moment is penciled in at left tackle, which at, for a while we thought it was going to be Satao Laumea. So that part of it is interesting. But uh, you got Keith Falcon was good. Keith Olson did a good job. Uh, Bia at center, I thought he was good too. Mocha Fisi looked sharp. And Jaron Kump, which I still feel like Jaron Kump is best to tackle for this team. It'll be, you know, interesting to see what the end of shakeup is if they do want to leave, if they do decide to leave Falcon over on the left side and Satawa at right. Like, does do they still use Jaron at center? Is Johnny Maya going to be the guy? Is 
Kolunu Faya. I apologize if I mispronounced that name, but either way, if he's going to get out there as well. So lots of different guys um, there. And I like Dreisoff in the offensive line. And I'll include Spencer Fano in that too. I thought he'd get in the second team reps at the left tackle spot. He looked really good. And I would be shocked if he is not a, a starter at right tackle or even one of the guard spots next season, I'll say. We've talked about it numerous times on this channel. Offensive line, it takes a year for these guys. Even the best ones just need that extra time to be able to get in and get ready, just putting on the strength and the weight and everything. And he even I even said to someone watching when I was watching spring practices, he looks bigger than the last time I saw him on a high school football field, which that would have been in November to even just seeing him now in, uh, what's it, April, late April. So I, I was really impressed with what we saw from him as well. But uh, any any other big takeaways for you, Dante, from the spring game we haven't mentioned yet? Not necessarily. I thought you hit the nail right on the head, honestly. There were just some great plays from both sides. I thought Miles Battles pick six yes. um, was really good. That play, he was draped all over whoever the receiver was, read it perfectly and took it to the house. So really encouraging to see that. I think it kind of just solidifies my confidence in the secondary and the overall depth of the secondary, you know, going into the Pac-12, having to face some really elite receivers. Romo Dunes on Washington. You know, USC's going to be bringing in guys. They got Dorian Singer from U of A. So, I mean, there are some Crazy good receivers in this conference, crazy good receiving corps in this conference. So for Utah to be solid on the back end, it's really important. And I think that that pick six just solidified my confidence in Miles Battle. And I already know um, what we're going to get with Zemai Vaughn, and I feel good in his ability. So uh, good things from the cornerback room, which is which is great to see, obviously. It is exciting to see. And you know what else is going to be exciting? This Thursday, the 2023 NFL Draft begins. More than likely just one youth, that being Dalton Kincaid, will hear his name called in the first night. But over the next two days, we'll have a few more youths hearing their names called. So we're going to be talking about the draft all week long on Locked On Utes. But what I wanted to do here is talk about where me and Dante want to see these guys get drafted personally. So this is not where we think they'll get drafted. Although for some of mine, this could definitely happen because the reason we are obviously projecting it is we feel like this is a team need for whatever fill-in-the-blank NFL team we are going to discuss. So let's start first with, with Dalton Kincaid. Where would I like to see Dalton get drafted is a team that needs a tight end and a team that is going to give him the opportunity to win and compete right away. I want to see him go to the Cincinnati Bengals. They just lost their tight end, Hayden Hurst. I think he would fit in perfectly as an extra option next to Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. I think defenses will be so concerned trying to stop them and the rest of the Bengals' offensive weapons that I think Dalton would be just a huge piece to this team. I could see him making a Pro Bowl with Joe Burrow as his quarterback, even in his first year. I know it sounds crazy, but we've seen other rookie tight ends do it. A Kyle Pitts, a TJ Hawkinson, guys who flashed early on their career. So I would love to see Dalton go with an experienced quarterback, one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. A guy I think is top five in Joe Burrow. I think Dalton would be a great asset to this Bengals team with just his ability, his large catch radius, ability to get open constantly. And I just think Dalton would be a great fit for the Bengals. Yeah, I agree. The Bengals were my pick as well. I think I've said it a few times um, on the show and no reason to switch it up. That Bengals offense is already prolific, as prolific as it gets. You know, you got Jamar Chase and T Higgins outside. You got one of the most underrated players in the NFL, Tyler Boyd as your slot receiver. Adding Dalton Kincaid will just free up more opportunities for all them and having their presence there will free up more opportunities for Dalton Kincaid. With Joe Burrow behind center, I mean, that offense would just be incredible. You know, they're already so versatile and just adding an elite tight end would just add so much more, so much more potential to that offense. And like I said, freeing up opportunities for the already elite playmakers around him. I think the Bengals are a perfect fit. They're in the, they're in the later part of the first round as well. I think it could really happen. And I think if it does happen, the Bengals will, they're already a force to be reckoned with. And this would mm -hmm. just make them even, even better. So I think that's, that's a match made in heaven and it would be the perfect fit. Yeah, his ability to create separation would be truly special in this offense, I think, with the amount of targets. And just, you know, Joe Burrow's not going to miss him. That's the nice part about going to the offense. I think the other thing you, you got to take into account is, like, how good the other receivers on that offense are yeah. at, like, contested catches. You know, like, Jamar Chase isn't creating yes. a ridiculous amount of separation. But, I mean, 
if you give him a chance to catch a football, like he's going to be coming down. The same thing as T. Higgins, too. And you look back at the USC game that Dalton Kincaid had, he had some tremendous contested catches. And, you know, Joe Burrow, he's one of the best in the league at throwing up 50-50 balls. And with those receivers around him, like that offense could be scoring 38 a game in the NFL, which is just spectacular. It absolutely would be spectacular. You know what else would be spectacular is to see Clark Phillips go to the Arizona Cardinals, in my opinion, because the Arizona Cardinals, they need a lot of things. <laughs> but I do think corner is one of them. They just lost their top corner in Byron Murphy, who went over to the Minnesota Vikings. And I really think for Clark, I think he'd come in right away. He could play, I think, slot corner is wide open because that's the one Bar- Byron was one of the best at in the league. So Clark would be able to step in right away, be a day one starter. Coaches are going to fall in love with him, as we know, just because he's a natural leader on the field. Quick reactions. I think the only knock on him is that size, but we didn't hurt him all again at Utah going against some of the bigger receivers in the Pac-12, and I don't think it'll hurt him in the NFL. So I think the Cardinals make a lot of sense for Clark Phillips. But for Clark, Braden, and Diabate, who are the next few guys we're going to talk about, these are guys who I feel like a lot of teams need because a lot of teams need corners, interior offensive linemen, and versatile linebackers. But to me, I like Clark in Arizona. Yeah, Clark was one of the tougher players to evaluate for this segment for sure, just because quarterback is just a common necessity in yes. the NFL and so many teams need one. So there are a lot of teams, but I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. You know, they're 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 a very young team, young core, building it back up. But Pete Carroll is one of the winningest coaches in, in the modern NFL. So I think that Clark playing under him would be really nice. And you look at the other cornerbacks that have come through. Um, Pete Carroll before through the Seattle Seahawks franchise before. And I mean, this guy was the limit for them. And I think Clark um, could see uh, like a, like a motivation boost, I guess. Like I think those coaches would kind of emphasize to him the cornerback position because that's what they do in Seattle. You know, they, they, they really stress defense and Pete Carroll does that to a T. And I think that Clark being on that team would just add his motivation and um, make him want to just succeed to the best of his ability. And I think that's a place where he really could, because that what is that the as bad as the Seahawks were last year. I mean, they made the playoffs actually. They really weren't that bad, given how bad they were supposed to be. So I mean, you look at that, and they just, they're a team that overperforms. And I think that Clark, um, that's an environment that Clark would really find success in early on, especially too, because their secondary isn't that great. I think he could find pretty early playing time in that slot corner position. And you know, um, he's one of those players that's just going to push himself to the limit. And I think that being in Seattle will just be a perfect environment for that type of. Uh, mentality and I think that they're in kind of position to succeed honestly in the next yep. few years you know they got a lot of money to spend they got some good draft picks um, like I said they had a winning season last year with that roster and you know they're only gonna get better from here so I think that would be a good uh, fit for Clark Phillips for sure I absolutely agree and I think one thing that'd be great too is to see him playing next to guys like Quandre Diggs I know Jamal Adams gets dragged a lot but he's another guy who can just make some plays and uh, look they need some more Utah defensive back because they just released a Marcus Blair. So <laughs> time to yeah, get another guy. Cody Martin's not on the Seahawks either. He was the only other Utah player. Yeah, well, who signed him again? Uh, the Commanders did. Commanders did. Oh, he'll, yeah. he'll definitely and he'll definitely play for them. Is there? I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah. Outside of their outside of their front four, they got their defense got a eh. But either way, so I definitely love to see Clark go up to Seattle. And uh, we talked about the Seahawks as a nice place because look, they've taken chances on Utes before. So is this next team. I think the Raiders make a lot of sense for Braden Daniels. I think they need some interior offensive line help to protect Jimmy Garoppolo, or if they decide to make a move for a young franchise signal caller this is where you can you can get him in kind of those third fourth maybe even the fifth round i think he's a guy who can come in will compete for a starting spot early on at guard or maybe just down the road it just provides some solid depth for you so i think braid makes a lot of sense in oakland they took a chance on bam olisani not long ago i um i know bam's not on the team anymore now trying out for the wwe but uh we know that um 
Oh, Cole Fotheringham. I almost forgot his name for a second. He's still down there with the Raiders, um, as is, I believe, one of the Bartons was last season. I'm not sure if he still is at the moment. But the Raiders like them some Utes, and I think Braden makes a lot of sense as a longtime starter for this Utah team that plays with outstanding technique and has good strength to play on the interior at the NFL level along the offensive line. Yeah, I didn't have to go. I'm going to go with your Minnesota Vikings hey. for Braden Daniels, actually. I wasn't a huge fan of their offensive line last year. I remember watching them play Neither the Cowboys in a game that they just got – trounced in and what was evident was how much better the Cowboys defensive ends and defensive line was than the Minnesota Vikings offensive line for that reason I'm gonna go with Brayden Daniels because he's a plug-and-play type of offensive lineman you know he's done it all for Utah at a high level very skilled player great footwork um, just plays the game the right way and that's why he's going to be going into second or third round you know not the elite level of upside that some of these other guys that I'd be going in the first round have but very very solid and plays above his weight and that's what's getting him into these earlier round conversations. And I think the Vikings would be a good place for him because like I said, he's a plug and play type of offensive lineman, no matter where you are in the season, he will find a place on your team. And if there's ever injuries, you know, he can just plug them right in there and you know, you're going to be getting a serviceable um, offensive lineman. And then you take into account um, just the overall state of the Vikings. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the offensive line that they put out last year. And I think Braden would be a very good fit for them. You look at what the chargers did drafting Zion Johnson in the first round last year. Um, I think it's a very similar player that you get, that you're getting in Braden Daniels, but obviously you're not going to be taking him in the first round. Like you did, like the chargers did for Zion, Zion Johnson. But I mean, he had a very good rookie season kind of serving in that same role, kind of just Mm -hmm. doing whatever was asked of him and doing it at a solid level, not blowing you away, but um, not, not being bad by any means. And I think we're going to see something similar with Braden Daniels. And then we're going to see him just progress and progress as time goes on. Um, when he's in the NFL. So I think the Vikings would be a very good landing spot for him. They would be a great landing spot. He could start, have a chance to start right away at right guard. I think it'd be a competition between him and the guy they drafted last year. So I definitely like that bit. Also, I was having a great day till you brought up the Cowboys game. So thank you for that one, my friend. <laughs> but moving on to the last youth who will more than likely get drafted. It's Mahmoud Diabate. And for me, this is this was probably the toughest one to find a fit for just because we I mean we said with any of these guys you can make a number of fits for them almost any team in the NFL could use an extra corner an extra offensive lineman an extra versatile linebacker but to me I went with someone like the Falcons I feel like the Falcons are devoid of a lot of talent I think they're in a great position to roll the dice whether that's late in the sixth round or if they want to do it in the seventh on a really athletic linebacker who maybe they feel like we can convert him to the inside personally I feel like he's best as a pass rusher and I think that once again, this is just a team that could use some extra talent, and I think that's what he would provide outside a guy who could sit back. I think he develops. I don't expect him to play a lot in year one per se, but I do think Mahmoud Diabate is a guy who would bring some excitement, some fun, and just some extra flair to a Falcons team that doesn't really have it. Yeah, I think the Chargers are a perfect fit for Mahmoud Mo- yes. Diabate personally. So the Chargers right now, they obviously have one of the Bosa brothers, and they have Khalil Mack, two of the best mm-hmm. um, pass rushers in the NFL. The thing about the Chargers, though, is that every single year, no matter who they bring in, couple of their best players are always going to be injured. It just happens every single year for the Chargers. They're unlucky. Um, and they do lack depth on a lot of positions. You know, they're very top heavy. A lot of their a lot of their starters are very good, but there's a significant drop-off. And I think if you were to add a versatile player like Mo Diabate to an already good defensive end room, but an injury-prone defensive end room, I think you could see him getting some playing time down the stretch of the season. And I think that putting him behind um, Khalil Mack, just those other elite pass rushers that they have, would be a good role model for Mo Diabate, a guy who obviously played a lot of linebacker during college, but didn't really get to play defensive end, which is where I think he's best at, towards yeah. the end of the season at Utah. And we saw him really thrive in that position. And so he's still new. And he's still got a lot of room to grow. And we already saw how good he was. I mean, he, the potential is definitely there for Mohamed Diabate to find his, find his place in the NFL. And I think being behind a couple of elite pass rushers, being able to watch them work, how they go through their b- daily business, stuff like that, I think that would just add another element of just, 
work ethic and growth in his game. And I think if one of those two guys that are really good were to go down, I think Mo Diabate has the potential and the prowess to kind of make make a name for himself later in the season if that were to happen. So for that reason, I think the Chargers are a good fit for him because I do think there's a chance that he could see playing time. And there's even if he doesn't, I think it's just a good place for him to be because of the other elite pass rushers there, a good place for him to grow, a good place for him to learn and just become the best version um, of himself. I do think he'd be an instant contributor to whatever team he goes on in terms of special teams production as well, which is something that's yeah. huge for those late round guys, especially if they're trying to stick on the roster while they hone in and develop some of their other skills. So either way, it's going to be fun and interesting to see where all these youths end up at. And Dante, if people want more youths in the NFL draft coverage, where should they head over to? Yeah, next coming day, I started working on it. I'm going to be doing a youths um, NFL draft guide, Utah fan NFL draft guide. I'm just going to basically go over what we did, just go over the players' strengths and stuff like that, where the best case scenario for them to land is round wise where the worst case scenario for them to land is round wise, just kind of overall um, recap or not even a recap, just a preview of the players that are probably going to be drafted, where they could go, what their strengths are and what they'll, what their workload will probably be like in their early years in the NFL. Make sure you guys head over to Ute Zone to check out all the great content Dante has. Also, if you guys want more NFL draft talk, then head over to Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special. It's here and it's bigger than ever. Follow along as all 32 teams first pick in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Dante, thanks for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. On tomorrow's show, we'll be talking with Josh Newman about more things involving the spring game and the Crimson Collective. So make sure you guys check us out then on Locked On Utes.